This is Channel 253. In this episode of Crossing Division. I think especially when folks say Black Lives Matter, like I think this is an opportunity to hold them to the fire because Black life includes Black businesses, which enhances the economic power that our communities have, right? And like, I know not only for ourselves, I know that our other firms do other work, right? They do work where they're empowered, where we're empowering our communities. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Hi, this is Evelyn Lopez. In our continuing series of interesting topics, while well, we're stuck, or at least I'm stuck home uh, due to the pandemic, this is Crossing Division. Let's talk about coronavirus and Tacoma. And this week, we are so fortunate to have Christina Blocker joining us. Christina is a political consultant with the Archway Consulting Group, and her business has uh, been in the middle of some very interesting discussions lately about how the Democrats uh, select um, political consultants for some of the legislative campaigns and whether the way they've been doing so has created some inequity and um really is somewhat discriminatory practices towards black political consultants. So I'll be very interested in hearing about that, Christina. But I thought what we could do is start first with a little bit of information about political consultants. Um, since not everyone, if people haven't been involved in a campaign, they may not actually know what a consultant is or what a consultant does. So could you start out by um, talking to me first about Archway and what Archway does, and then tell me a little bit about a about some of the campaigns you've been involved with and what a political consultant does. Sure, sure. And so I'm, I might even go with a different frame, okay. um, but still answering all of those questions. So when Keith ran, when Keith decided to run for office back in 2015, well, really 2014, when he was really in the last phases of deciding to run, um, the two of us are huge researchers, one. And so um, we we're like, all right, well, if we're going to do this thing, like we've got to do this right. So we're like blowing through all as much research as possible about campaigns, how to effectively run. Like when Keith and I get into our research phase, like that's it. Thankfully, we didn't have kids then because it was tunnel vision for us at that time. And so afterwards, we came up with this whole questionnaire, which now we realize no other, I've never seen a candidate do that, although I think they all should. We came up with this questionnaire of metrics that we wanted each political consultant that we were going to interview um, answer. And so to, to pivot on what a co political consultant does. So really, to, to when, when you're thinking about running a campaign and, or running for office, there are folks that will say, you know what? I can learn this along the way. I can figure this out. I know a lot of people that can do these types of things and those types of things could be um, for campaigns, you're going to be fundraising, right? And so you might need someone that um, helps you fundraise, right? Or you might you, you might not have, uh, like what we'll do is at times create uh, campaign plans, right? Create the strategy for the campaign. Um, and so a lot of what, what the consultant does is really steers the ship, right? Really builds out what that strategy will look like with fundraising, with, with what the funds will go to after fundraising. So that could be digital, right? Digital, how they're going to be maximizing their social media efforts, um, how they're going to be maximizing 
their field efforts and field meaning how they're going to be out in the community, um, what kind of endorsements they need to be pursuing initially. And so really the, the, the political consultant really provides that main frame of here's how you run uh, your campaign effectively, right? Well, Christine, tell me a little bit more detail about the um, developing the campaign plan. I get that the consultant is sort of steering and masterminding the campaign and, and helping the, you know, coaching the candidates. So tell me more about how that works. Yeah. So what we do is we, we, we get really, really precise, right? So we identify what the candidates win number might be and the win number is how many votes they would need to be successful either in their, in their primary or their general election. Um, and then we tailor what those efforts are going to look like. So we identify the win number and then we work backwards and say, okay, this is what you need to target. Here's the kind of ground you need to cover. Here is, and so we really, if we create those benchmarks and then we help the candidate achieve those benchmarks. And so what we do for us, we create a campaign plan so that the candidate has an idea of, all right, this is, you know, not just through weekly meetings and not just through, you know, continuing to have conversations about what we need to do, but through that campaign plan and weekly meetings, we're able to pivot. Sometimes things like COVID will happen. Yeah. And for some of, our, some of our candidates that are navigating through COVID, they're like, all right, this is... And so what we do is we like, yep, this is, this, is, this is a different landscape. So we adjust, right? We make adjustments for them so that all of their campaign efforts are relevant and in tune with not only... Um, not only the, the district's um, perspective, but also with our times, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on what's going on mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. So tell me about some of the campaigns that you've worked with um, either right now or over the last couple of years. Um, so we've had the ability to work with Cindy, to work with council member Chris Beal in his tight race. And what I will say is we love working on tight races where it's going to be competitive and and we saw that council member Beale's uh campaign was was going to be a competitive one and so we worked that strategy worked that magic um, um but not only with uh council member Beal, um a lot of keith's campaigns um although we didn't want to be his consultants per se like the the mainframe um we wanted to make sure we were helping to guide some of that strategy on the on 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 just the on that end um, the other folks that we've worked with, we've worked with uh, State Representative Melanie Morgan. Um, we are also working with a candidate who's running for State Representative. Her name is Charlotte Mena. Mm -hmm. And so we're really happy working with her. Um, great, great person. I'll put a big plug in. She's amazing. Um, and then we've, we've worked on, we're working, we've worked on ballot initiatives like Tacoma Creates, Nature mm -hmm. to, to, to really help with guiding that process through. Um, and then we're also working on, a, well, we're working on a statewide ballot initiative called uh, I-1715, Treatment First Washington. Yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's a coalition of leaders from different, um, from different communities, communities in the sense that folks that have been formerly incarcerated, folks that mm. um, have, have worked treatment facilities, maybe even lead treatment facilities, folks um, that are leaders within different different sectors um, came together and realized, hey, the way that we're approaching our, the way we're approaching substance use disorders um, is not working, right? The war on drugs isn't working. 
Um, and so what we've been doing with that campaign is really making sure that folks are aware of this new approach, right? And what we, what Treatment First Washington is aiming to do is to create a new avenue so that if folks have an interaction with law enforcement, rather than it just being a straight felony, um, that it wouldn't be, it would no longer be a felony. It would be knocked down to a misdemeanor, but not, not knocked down to a misdemeanor. Please edit that area. So it would be, the felony would be removed. And mm-hmm. then instead of the person being arrested, they would have the opportunity to go to treatment mm-hmm. or uh, have a civil infraction. Um, what we've seen is, Many of our steering committee members have said, like, if we if we've known that an approach isn't working and we know the impact that the war on drugs has had, especially within our communities of color, the more information that we have, the more research that's done, we've got to use that information. Now, policies that are that are going to have a bit more impact than Mm -hmm. than what we currently have. So we're that campaign as well. We've worked with several local candidates. Um, We've worked with candidates that have not had to and not not had to go to the ballot as well. So Judge Clarence Henderson, right. he's now a Superior Court judge. We've we've known him for years and he'd said, hey, I want to work with you all. So we came up with our campaign strategy and luckily he didn't have an opponent. Mm-hmm. But we've also worked with uh, Carl Williams as well, who yeah. recently won in 2018. So we've worked with a variety of uh, different candidates going from local, we worked with. Enrique uh, Leon, Director Leon, mm-hmm. on the Tacoma Square. And although I would say some of our work has, most of our work, most of our wins have been in Pierce County, Tacoma, that doesn't stop the work that we mm-hmm. do. We, we do work. Um, and then I think, I think for Archway, Archway has a unique opportunity to not only do we do political consulting, but we work with organizations. Um, and, and a lot of that is community engagement, which goes back to politics, right? Mm-hmm. When we're preparing our campaigns, when we're connecting with organizations, we want to make sure that our communities are being accurately represented, but accurately having the, we've noticed that there's been a larger need to have our community's voice amplified rather than organizations assuming the need, right? And so we've worked with several organizations um, who have had kind of those questions like, hey, how do I how do I build coalitions within these communities and really work with them in building a plan to authentically connect with 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 their, the communities that they serve? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've noticed in the campaigns that you've done locally um, is that you you haven't been around for a super long time, but it seems like each year you sort of push a little bit more and get a new variety of campaign very successfully. So, I mean, I, I think for a, for a business that hasn't really been around for a super long time, you've really diversified quickly. And I think that that is, um, it's so important in political consulting because as you said, things change rapidly and the, you know, the COVID is a good mm-hmm. example. It's like suddenly, um, is going door to door doing, doing doorbelling, is that effective right now? you know, is it safe, number one, but is it effective? Um, you know, if if there are changes in the postal service, is mailing going to be effective? And I think that you're um, lean enough and um, ambitious enough and sort of uh, driven enough that you're busy thinking of those things in advance and trying to get ahead of that curve. So I think that that has been a really good model for you. 
we we started up in 20 well at least doing political consulting back in 20 in 2016 and I always tell folks so the year prior to that, I, I was working at a nonprofit and I, the nonprofit I was working at was amazing. I'll always mm-hmm. say it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told my boss, executive director at that time, I was pregnant, just Keith had just won. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Originally, and most folks don't know this, but I'm originally from Canada. And I've been raised with, you know, the idea of when you have children, you have the ability to take a year off to really both not only the woman, but the man too, to have the ability to really connect and 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 really bond with, with your child at that time. Mm-hmm. So I told I told my boss, I was like, Hey, I know I'm in the States. I know that that is not the reality right now. I was like, but it's a really important value for me to have that flexibility to be able to work from home. And I know that. I can't, I can't, I can't sustain that. And I appreciated that my boss was like hundred percent. I appreciate you for, you know, the work that you do, but unfortunately you can't sustain that. But I'd love if at any point you wanted to return, come back. And so after that happened, I appreciated that time to just kind of enjoy the last like month of my pregnancy, just because things were stressful. And, and I wanted to really take some time for myself and of course, when looking back, I was like, I really didn't take much time off because in June is when we're like, all right, we'll see my head. We're doing political consulting. Um, <laughs> our oldest was, I think, only three months at that time. So we were running campaigns then and like just putting all the pieces together. And then same thing uh, during Tacoma Creates when we were back in 2018, we just had our second child. And a few months later, I was like, yes, I want to see this uh, important policy passed. Um, and so yes, Idris can be on my back while I'm doorbelling, but let's get this thing done. And so that's, I think just, I think that has also helped too, right? Just knowing, hey, what, what, what the work that we're doing and the impact that it's having is not only for us, right? But it's for our kids, it's for the future generations. And I think that's what drives the work. It drives the agility. It drives the, the mission for us. Well, Christina, um, my impression is, is that, and I I know a couple of really top political consultants who are black, but I don't think that there are very many in the political consulting community. Is that right? You're 100% right. Um, Back in 2016, and I could be wrong, um, at that time, we were the only ones that we were aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and and, and it came out of Keith's campaign because we we saw the space, right? We had this questionnaire of folks that we wanted to go through this process and we would have loved to work with someone that looked like us. Granted, we had a great consultant. Um, that 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 really did a great job with Keith's campaign for the first round, um, but after that we realized, you know what? Like there needs to be more folks in this space, right? Mm-hmm. And I've seen. I think the other thing that drives the work is we've seen since we've started our business, we've seen candidates that, that look like us, black yeah. candidates that have run our offices, and at times have been have been. Um, I don't even want to say for lack of better words they've been tokenized not only sometimes in their literature, I've seen um, fundraising campaigns said grow the fro, right? And that's mm-hmm. not, that that should mm-hmm. be the mission of why we're fundraising, right? Okay. It should be because what we're trying to, what we're, what we're advocating, the policies we're gonna advocate for, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not using a part of our body as mm-hmm. to be a reason why folks should give to our campaign. Like I, right. I didn't like the message that sent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
in seeing kind of those kind of instances, I knew that there needed to be more, more a diversity of perspectives, right, mm-hmm. um, in that field. And, and then I would also say is just being in the space, I think some folks have the assumption that, all right, you all are a Black political consulting firm, all Black. Um, do you all do just work with Black candidates? And right. No, we work with everybody, right? right? Um, and I think they, and, I, and we also want to dispel that notion because we're Black doesn't mean we only serve Black people, we serve everybody. And we bring to the table is being able to bring some of those experiences that we've had, some of that that knowledge of, hey, a Grow the Fro fundraising campaign is not acceptable, right? Mm-hmm. Have that, that lens of, real diversity, mm-hmm. equity, and inclusion in the work that we do, right? And so it's not only beneficial to the candidate, but to the communities that the candidates are running in. Yes. Yeah. I think so too. And I think, um, I mean, I see it, I look more at Tacoma than statewide. In Tacoma, I think, and I'll speak as someone who, who has run for office myself, if you don't have um, some people who can help you connect in communities that you're not naturally a part of, it's, it's a significant disadvantage um, for everyone because you're not talking to the people, you're not making those connections. And especially as a, as a white woman, I find that, um, and I don't want to speak for all white women, but there are areas that I'm very comfortable in and then there are areas that I've never been in. And if I've never been mm-hmm. in them, then I'm also sensitive to, you know, am I pushing myself into a place that is a little bit leery of me? And how, you know, how do I manage that? So I think having the perspectives and the diversity that you bring to the table is is really valuable, I would say, for white candidates as well. And for um, black candidates, I think it would be wonderful because they would be able to, you know, sort of talk to you and, you know, really have you support their feelings, not just, you know, with your wisdom, but also your life experience. But for a white candidate, I think it's quite important also. And on- right. I mean, oh, sorry, I was, I was just going to say, even even just with Keith's experience, just and, and I think it's good to have not only be a, a, a black person in this space, but also knowing intimately what it's like having Keith run and being there intimately with mm-hmm. him at the doors and seeing some of those situations he would face. I mean, I remember when he was running back in 2015 and some of that happened last year too when he ran for re-election yeah. where some folks would be like oh well because they saw a black face at the door they'd either say get off of my property right um and things are folks in Tacoma like when and when we think about these national issues right it's 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 for us we're like we we see this we see this mm-hmm. at the doors less than a year ago right um, but, you know, folks will see a black face and 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 won't trust it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or um, Keith has been mm-hmm. to some doors back in 2015. Someone said, oh, yeah, uh, do you even know who your dad is? And it was just like to 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 to, to be running for office, represent folks and like recognizing these are your constituents too yeah. right but recognizing yeah. those, those are some instances you're going to face at the door how are you going to deal with some of those not even microaggressions how are you going to deal mm-hmm. with racism at the doors how are you going to respond to and so giving them those kind of tools so that when they're at the doors that that if that's a trigger they're able to have what they need to keep going and to mm-hmm. be successful mm-hmm. in their race like there's so much benefit to having a dad diversity of thought just within your consulting team. Yeah, I think so too. And I really I noticed that uh, in Melanie Morgan's campaign that I, I was very struck. I, I went out and helped dorm building once, only once, but 
I was really struck by the message that we were getting, which was, if you want this woman to be successful, you really need to help her because it's actually not safe for her to go on her own door to door as a black woman in the 29th legislative district. And it just, that statement, um, it, it, it kind of helped open my eyes just to think about, you know, the realities of how do you get a message across when you are a black candidate, there's a, there's just another level of challenge and another level of, of barrier that's interposed there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say that kind of speaking to them, we don't have to go into detail. We just had, uh, we just held a conversation about the intersections of leadership, politics, and blackness, and just really going into that. And I think one thing either Dorian or Keith said is like, especially once you're in those positions, either whether it's as a government appointed official or an elected official, um, like there's, there's this balance of having these folks at times can look at folks in our communities and have these low expectations of what they can achieve, right? And then when you break through that glass, right? And you, and, and you are an elected official, they have these high expectations, mm-hmm. right? So there's no ground, right? And then these expectations of solely you. And not only is it our own communities, but it's folks that are white that are coming yeah. to you saying, what are you doing about this? What are you doing about that? And then you're then taking your time to re-educate them about, mm-hmm. it's not just, right? Who else have you engaged about this? And why are you just engaging me about this? So it's just a whole, yeah, there's a whole level, next level of, of what that looks like, right? Yeah. Once you get in off and how to navigate through those things. Yeah. Well, I think you're, I, I, I can really imagine that. And I would say we're seeing that right now. And Keith bears the burden of this uh, somewhat, but I see it particularly on our mayor, Victoria Woodards, that as a black woman mayor during this time of the current, you know, sort of uh, unrest and the current emphasis on Black Lives Matter, everyone's looking to her for sort of, you know, make us feel like we're okay, you know, make us feel like in Tacoma, we are not going to make these same serious mistakes and these have these horrible episodes, even though we have a horrible episode in the Manny Ellis case. And I think that that is, I mean, I'll tell you, quite frankly, I think we're very lucky to have her in that position right now because, um, you know, she's a really good mayor and she is, is very much doing the job that the people need her to be doing, but it's gotta be tough. I mean, that's a very emotional place to be. And I don't, and you know, a white mayor would not be in the same role at this time. Right. Exactly. The, yeah, a white mayor would not be in the same role, would have wouldn't have the same level of criticism, right? Oh, yeah. Um back, yeah, going back to what you said, like our mayor stays up at night trying to fix these issues and, and try to do the, the best she can to show up, right? I haven't seen any other mayor in the United States, right? Mm-hmm. That that is showing up regardless of if it's one or two hours of sleep, crying and 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 really being raw, right? Yeah. Not just saying, not just giving answers, not just like being raw and and transparent and vulnerable. Um, and 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 it's and it's 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 def- definitely a balancing act. And 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 I just tell, I I would just say to more folks, don't just hold black people accountable. You hold everybody accountable. If you're advocating for change, you hold the system accountable. And the system isn't just the folks that you recognize. Educate yourself on the system, right? Mm -hmm. Serving in these roles. Because one person does not have 
does not have just this absolute power to do everything, right? And if they things would look different, right? Yeah. But 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 like yeah, this is I I think and I, and I think a lot of that is um because of our our because of Trump, right? Um right. I think a lot of that rose to the top this distrust of of um of government. I mean, I think some of those sentiments were already there before he got elected. Um but I think because of his misuse of power several times, I think that fear um, trickles down to the local levels, right? Um, but then the other thing is, I, I, I think I think it's an opportunity. I think it's an opportunity because um, what I see in our communities, a lot of times people look at our local leaders, right? Our local leaders, um, when we think about, okay, what's going on in the city? Um, mental health, right? A lot of folks will say, oh, you know, we have, we have, we have a serious um, issue with how we are addressing mental health, mental health issues. And wh- what I don't hear is I hear a hyper focus on our council, but I don't hear anything about our county council, right. which has a to 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 do even more, right? To to disperse fund, like there's so much that can be done. So what I would like to see, if I had capacity, mm-hmm. I wish I could do like a. <laughs> a citywide training on here's what these local branches do um, and here's how we can appropriately engage them and not to say things are being inappropriate right not to contrast mm-hmm. it like that but to say here here's how we do this effectively yeah. right and our current method of how we're engaging our electeds mm-hmm. and then the last thing I'll say about that because I could talk about this for like yeah. seven hours and I want you all to have to edit that much (laughs) um i I will say is be careful of how you're engaging your local electors especially these folks of color right i've seen folks engage keith um there's a few times right i've seen environmental groups right Mm -hmm. that are doing great work advocating for issues that matter but that have gone to the council and said inflammatory things to keith like they said oh uh you're the period at the end of the statement like what? Yeah. That's inappropriate. We'll say the thing that's keeping me up at night is um, uh, like what we're doing to our orcas and our salmon mm-hmm. and like completely and, and saying that's what you need to be focusing all your energy on when he's a black man in America and he's dealing with issues going on in his community where issues like racism, issues like trying to dismantle systemic racism and for folks to feel like that his sole priority is like those things without saying, Hey, what can we do to see how we can support each other? Right. Or how can we build a relationship? Right. So that we, so that I can help on those ends and you can Mm -hmm. like, that's not done. Right. It's just this, this concept of you need to be doing what I need you to be doing or else. And that's not how you, that's not how you work with anyone. I could never, I could never talk to a friend like that. I could never, uh, that, that's just not how you get progress. And I think in, not to say that you always have to be nice because we know like when, when, when you're not being heard, yes, you, you can go to ulterior or go use alternate methods, but you also have to be cognizant, right? And what's not acceptable is to, 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 to use inflammatory or racial um, language against mm-hmm. our very electeds that we want to work on our behalf. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me, uh, let's take a real quick break here. And when we come back, I want to focus in on the Crosscut article and this list of, of campaign consultants that the Democrats have been using and how that's been working. This is Doug Mackey. 
producer of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by Pacific Lutheran University. PLU is expanding its graduate program and creating more and more ways for you to continue your education. A master's from PLU can take your career to the next level, or it might just be the thing you need to pivot to something you've discovered you're passionate about later in life. The master's in kinesiology is a whole new graduate program, adding on to PLU's decades of experience with advanced degrees in nursing, education, fine arts, marketing, and more. Think about PLU as a sort of training ground for what comes next. Earn your spurs here and then ride your new master's degree into the sunset. Best of all, if you live in Tacoma, PLU is just down the street. That means there's no Seattle traffic between you and your degree. To request more information or attend an info session, visit plu.edu slash graduate. My thanks to PLU for their sponsorship of Channel 253. Okay, we're back after our break. Um, Let me do a quick shout out here. If you are not yet a member of Channel 253, we would love you to join us. It is only $4 a month and uh, it gives you access to not only all of our great podcasts, which actually you have access to anyway, um, but sometimes we do special insider events. And um, if you become a member, it helps support these community conversations that we feel are so important. So I hope everyone will become a Channel 253 member. So Christina, back to our discussion, let me focus us in a little bit on um, I think June 12th, an article uh, by Melissa Santos ran uh, in Crosscut that sort of revealed, kind of like a bombshell, I think, revealed um, that Black political consultants were really being sort of, I'll just say, these are my words, squeezed out on some significant campaigns, especially legislative campaigns, because these funding groups like the House Democratic Caucus Committee um, had certain political consultants that they've used for years that they would recommend candidates always to use. And the, it was, I don't know if it was explicit, but it was certainly implicit that if you don't use our preferred consultants, we may not give you any of this um, PAC money that we have available, this political money, which is a big deal. And so the story ran on Crosscut and I will have sort of a follow-up because there's another story today in follow-up saying that actually some things are going to change because of that story. But start me out with telling me about um, this list of political consultants that is maintained by these democratic groups. Yep, yep, no problem. So when we first started, we had a few folks at that time that were involved in politics and said, you guys got to get on the list. You, you all got to get on the list. And we're like, what list? What, what list is this? And so they, at that time, were referring to this HDCC list. And the HDCC stands for the House Democratic Campaign Committee. And so what they do is they not only provide the PAC money, but they provide support, right? So they might they might um, meet with candidates and help them with their fundraising, or and or or, or just help in, in in areas that the that the campaign needs extra extra assistance with. Um, and so in 2018, we we were working on a campaign as well as another um, black political consulting firm. And after that campaign, we realized, you know what, like we, we need to be on this list, right? Like now having more information about what this list uh, was, right? Not having a clear understanding of 
what it took to be on the list, but we realized, you know, that we, something needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Um, and so from then we started having conversations. I want to say, I'm, and I'm not a hundred percent, I can't fact check this part, but I I know at least for our tour, we reached out to the house democratic campaign committee, reached out to not only their executive director, but staff as well. Um, and, and haven't received responses, um, Mm -hmm. to our questions. Mm And, and, and then we're like, all right, you know, maybe, maybe things are busy. Right. Um, but when we, when we started talking to our colleagues, our colleagues, meaning the other consultants and realized that we were all facing the same issue, none of us were on the list. We're like, oh, this is a bigger issue. Mm -hmm. This is not just people being busy. And so at that time, now, now taking us back to 2019, several of us reached out to legislators to say, hey, there's this issue with the HDCC. Um, what can be done? And although I hadn't seen the guidelines, I was aware of um, just there's a lot of systemic systemic issues with it. I'd heard that, um, and it's, it was all hearsay, right? Here you have to have this amount. You got to And but but the problem for that, the first problem for that is why is it hearsay? Why isn't there a website saying or an internal, you know, list, you know, not even list, and an, an internal area where we can subscribe yeah. and maybe I'd find what those guidelines were. So or that even was, or something that would say, if you would like to be considered to be added to our list to provide campaign consulting services, please submit the following. You know, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah. 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 Like maybe subscribe here if you want more information. Yeah. And then maybe the automatic email is here are the guidelines, mm-hmm. right? That just makes sense for me. Right. Um, but we couldn't even find that, like that wasn't even happening. And then of course, there's no transparent area where we can even see who's on the list, right? Mm-hmm. So that maybe even then we can say, okay, these types of firms are on the list. Let's connect with them and see how they got on there. There's nothing like that. Um, so it just became a really, really big problem when we spoke to legislators about it. Folks would say, oh yeah, I'm going to reach out to the executive director, uh, make sure that they get back to you. And that was it. Mm. And so come now this year, like just that growing feeling of, and not only that, we, we would have folks reach out to us, all of our firms to say, hey, we want to work with you, but you're not on the mm. list, right? And then it creates a question not only for them, but for us, right? Because one, what message is this sending to them, right? Now we're, we, we haven't made this list, right? And what, what are they thinking now? Are we unqualified or whatever, right? For which way then it then it starts to become a question of if this is negatively affecting our reputation. So um, it, it it really became an issue for us um, because we know the value that we bring. We know it through not only what we know, but what mm-hmm. that work with us know, right? So frustrating, and I think what became even even more frustrating and frustrating about the situation was we'd see these legislators, we'd see these folks in our communities, and they would say they're about social justice, they would say they're about action, um, and then we'd realize, okay, well, we've reached out, and there's been no action there, right, and this is a social justice issue, and and here's the other thing, there is one consultant that's part of our coalition that is on the list, but if you were to connect with them and just hear his story, um, it was not an easy, it was not an easy road, it wasn't something it, there was a lot, according to him, there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of behind the scenes conversations and, and it shouldn't be that hard, right? It shouldn't be that hard. Um, and so, yeah, we, it, it's been, it's been, it's been 
disappointing to say the least. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it has other repercussions too, because one of the things that I always am a little bit annoyed with is when a local campaign or for a local race doesn't use local people. And, and by that, I mean, not just the political consultant, but the vendors, you know, who they're getting the signs from, their printers, all of that. Because then it's like, if I give money to a local campaign and then that money just goes straight up to Seattle to be spent up there, that's a loss. I mean, it would, we want to have a broader base of this activity because it's beneficial to all of our communities to have this going on. Right. And, 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 I, and I love with you saying that, yeah, there is this, this, this idea that, you know, folks in Seattle might, might, might have, might be able to do it a different way. Right. And I think the, the benefit of utilizing folks that are from within the community have an idea of what's going on in the community, not that, not just this blanket idea of, all right, this is going to work in this type of community, but actually have that knowledge, actually have the relationships to, to, to resonate. Um, so, 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 so there's just so many issues in and so going back to that list, right, I think one of the things, and, I, and again, I haven't seen the list, but I do know that, that this is on there, that if you work with an, if you work again, if you work with someone that's challenging an incumbent, then you're automatically disqualified from being on the list, right? For Forever so or for just a short period of time? Forever, you're disqualified, like, wow. There's, yep. And that's a problem because if we want, if we're not on the list, we're naturally, and, and if, and if folks that are running for open seats are seeing that there's this list of canned, uh, consultants that they can choose from, they're not going to go with us. Right. So we are going to, by default, going to have the candidates um, that, that, that are going to be challenging incumbents. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, I mean, shoot, I, I love that kind of candidate, especially when yeah. they're doing great things. Right. Um, but, but at the same time, um, it creates barriers for our, our firms. Right. Because, all right, we can't get access to the list. We're not even finding out what it takes to be on the list. Then when we work with a candidate that is not interested in, in being on the, working with the consulting firm on that list, then we're essentially punished for it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then I always bring it back to, especially now, right? We see so many folks saying Black Lives Matter, right. especially folks that are proclaiming that they're allies, um, and, and, and it's really just a proclamation because if you're not investing in black business, which it, which, which adds to our economic vitality mm-hmm. as a community, right. It shows that like, cause, cause sometimes what I'll see too is folks will be like, well, I'd love to have you on the committee. I don't want to be on the committee. I do this work professionally. Right. Right. So don't, don't use my voice, but not invest in my services. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think, I think especially when folks say, Black Lives Matters. Like I think this is an opportunity to hold them to the fire because Black life includes Black businesses, which enhances the economic power that our communities have, right? And like I know not only for ourselves, I know that our other firms do other work, right? They do work where they're empowered, where we're empowering our communities, where where we're providing candidate trainings so that more folks from our communities can run, right? And 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 the other thing I think that's that's discouraging too is. If we were by chance to work with a candidate that did end up beating an incumbent, right? After going through that process, after being that candidate support system through that whole, whole cycle, right? Because it's tough. It's tough running against an incumbent. Um, 
the person is then stripped from that support because they can no longer work work with you. But is that so? Let's take the example of Melanie Morgan's campaign. Her primary against David Sawyer. I mean, he had significant issues. Would would they have used that as as a basis for saying we're not going to you know put this political consultant on the list because they were Melanie's campaign consultants and she challenged and beat an incumbent? I mean, that's that would have been that would be an incredible disservice to say we're going to discourage good consultants from taking on the work to defeat really problematic candidates. I mean, people who have real issues and probably should not be returned to the legislature. Right. I mean, you pose a really interesting question because I, what, what I've seen is that there are those special instances, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But those special instances are not, not helpful if it's not like a broad base. Yeah. Like it can't be, well, okay, for this race, we'll make an exception. But all other races, no. Like, no, if you're making an exception, like at you as an attorney, you set new precedent. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. It's so, a change, but it's like, no, nah, we'll make these exceptions and keep things the way that they are which is inconsistent, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's really concerning. So this story comes out on June 12th and a lot of other groups picked up the story. Um, what kind of uh, feedback did you get? What sort of um, support did you get from, especially from our local, can- our local politicians, but from the larger community? Were people shocked by this? I was surprised. I didn't really, you know, and I, pay attention to these things. I didn't know there was a list. I just thought people tended to use the same people over and over because that's who they knew. Right. Um, there was, there's quite a few folks that were surprised that there was a list like this. Um, and then there were some folks that like had, that were, that were aware and realized, you know, spoke out about how, how problematic it was. I think there was a tweet by, uh, um, Pierce County council member, uh, Derek Young. Mm-hmm. That it said, you know, like this, essentially calling out that things needed to change, and so I, I'm, I'm inspired by that. And 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 we have a lot of support, and that was also inspiring. A lot of support from folks that are on the list, which I think sends a message, yeah. right? That even these consultants that are benefiting from it are saying, yeah, like we stand in solidarity with you, and we have support, like Attorney General Bob Ferguson, mm-hmm. who who who's who sees the issue with it. So I think, I think it was inspiring to see that level of support um, and, and for just community to be more informed because that's the other part of, of, of racism and, and especially systemic racism when the community isn't informed of these practices, they, there's, there's, there's a decreased ability to change it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think this highlighted um, the systemic inequities, but I would also say um look at the folks who are not on that list, right? Think about your local elected officials um, and what they say, right? What they may be performing with. And I, and I use the word performance because mm-hmm. I think especially in this age, a lot of folks say millennials are, look, are looking for authenticity, but I would say it's not just millennials. We're all looking for authenticity. And I think because of social media, more folks have been able to perform authentically, but not really stay true to those values. And so I feel like, when you look at that list of solidarity and you see the folks that are not on it, mm-hmm. especially like if you wanted to ask any of us, have you spoken to these people? Have these people reached out? We would all be honest with you and say, yeah, this person has reached out. But there's certain folks that are performing as if they're allies 
um, that are saying that we, we, I stand with social justice issues. Um, but when you, when you look at issues that are right in their own backyard, they're silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you do about that? I mean, on the one hand, I, I have been, um, I don't know, I've been a little put off by, uh, by the fact that I see people, even in our local community, doing the, you know, the performative wokeness, you know, doing the, you know, I'm a staunch ally and everything, which all to the good, but then I don't see them necessarily standing up for, um, like for our mayor. I don't see them necessarily on social media calling out people who are being truly racist and obnoxious and saying, you, you need to knock that off. And uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I just think, you know, it's an old saying, but, you know, are you talking the talk or are you going to walk the walk? And if you're not walking and if you're not showing me by your actions that this is really central to you and what you're doing. And I'm not saying please be perfect. I'm saying this, we're all a work in progress, but I need to see that work. Right. You know, if I don't see right. it, then then do I, can I pay attention and care about anything that you're saying? Because you're just, you're not, yeah, you're not authentic. Yeah. And, and I would even go, I would even say for those folks that are performing, right. All right. Especially if they're elected officials, well, let's see come reelection, right. Are you going to perform in front of our communities and say that you stood with us when you've been silent? Right. Like, like, I think, I think this, like you said, performative wokeness, it's, it's a serious issue. And I think the other thing that I've seen in, in those same folks that have decided not to stand in solidarity will then use tokenized folks, tokenized the black folks that they do know to say, well, you know, this person said this or sharing articles from different leaders, you know, within our communities, when this is disrespectful to that leadership, right? right. Those leaders came out of fighting for civil rights, fighting to make sure that folks like us could have a seat at the table. So for you to dis- disregard that mm-hmm. and then just share the things that were valuable to you lets me know that you co- tokenize people of color for your own benefit and your silence is, is an accomplice to our injustice. Um, today we have an article in Crosscut saying that a couple of different democratic groups have said, well, you're right. And we're going to make some changes. So what do you think about that? I think that was really powerful. I mean, I was I was really inspired to see folks like uh, Tina Podlodowski, Washington State uh, Chair of the Democratic Party, um, really not only in 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 the email and and the article, um, but her in her engagement with us was able to say like, hey, yes, let's meet, um, and here's what we can do better, right? Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that because oftentimes. Meetings can sometimes be used to placate folks, right? To yeah. air out concerns, yeah. Yeah. turn that into action. Yeah, and I appreciated the fact that after that meeting, not only did she say yes, and here's what we can do to address that, she was okay with being on record and essentially being on record by sending an email to everybody, not just us, to the Washington State, uh, the the Senate Democratic Campaign Committee, mm-hmm. and to the agency. DC and their leadership to to show we're we're willing to do this work, right? And this is what this is what we're going to. And I was inspired by that those very same actions from the Senate Democratic Campaign Committee because with our meeting with them, they did the very same thing, and they said, "Well, you know what? Here's what else we can do." 
And just the thought of not only recognizing and acknowledging what we what we've said, taking it seriously is and, and I hate that it's such a low bar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but acknowledging what we said, um, but to say, hey, we've thought this through, we've digested it, and here's what else we'd like to do is was was just was a beautiful, I felt like it was a beautiful step in moving forward and in 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 making change and and we're our coalition will work with them to hold them accountable to those processes because and I said this before this is not just for us just like for our for our our leaders here in Tacoma that have done so much of this work like mm-hmm. Mr. Moss mm-hmm. Mr. Harold G. Moss he wasn't just thinking about folks in his era he was thinking about yeah. the generations mm-hmm. to come right yeah. so this isn't just for us right this is for other consultants that are going to see them that can see themselves and see themselves in the space and say what else can I do what what how else can I contribute to my community how else can I support other folks that want to run for office we want to do this to kick the door down for them Mm -hmm. so what do you think is going to change now um and let's see are they going to open the list are they going to you know do away with the list? Are they going to make sure that they have more diversity of people who are on the list? Or well, is so that still in process? Well, so 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 one thing I will say that the house, which has been the um, which has been the most uh, the the one that we've had probably the most contentious relationship just through the engagement has not said anything about what they'll do right um so to clarify so the house democratic campaign committee they have not made any um promises to you or have they even really engaged with you no so they've sent so we were we were made aware of an email that was sent to house members and staff um and their executive director um, said, <laughs> amongst other things, that they're not an incubator for small businesses. And like, let's be really, really clear: in Washington State, almost all political consulting firms are small businesses. Yeah. Oh, you hear me? Yeah, I can't think of any that are not a small business, actually. Right. So to have this like this very demeaning view of like we're we're a small business, the other firms we're working with, like I would love to see the 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 consultants on that list because I would I would venture as far to say a lot of them have the same amount of staff as we all do, Mm -hmm. right? And and based off of how busy we are, all of our firms either staff up or staff down, right? right? And so so that we're not an incubator yes you are that's all you've been doing for all you've been doing just the process is an incubator for small businesses for the consultants that have been on your list and so I felt like that was very tone deaf I felt like amongst everything else that was said in that email was um, was not centered on the issue but but to discredit um, our concerns and I feel like especially when you're speaking on behalf of an organization that was unprofessional. Mm-hmm. That was very unprofessional. That response was very defensive. Um, and, and, and then in knowing that that response was sent to House members and staff, right? And that's why I bring it back to our local elected officials who have been silent, right? 
to see that none of them even called that out, the dog whistling that was being that was done within that letter, um, to see that none of that, no one has said, you know what, that no one has said anything um, or articulated to us about here's what we're gonna do. Let's let's meet, let's let's at least hear your concerns. There's been none of that. Mm. There's been none of that. In the article today, I believe um, that that there was mentioned that um, everyone's schedules couldn't be, they couldn't get everyone's schedules together. Like, but yeah, but I, I, I just, I mean, just, just in how, um, just in the tone and the type of language that they've used, not only to us, but to, but about us, right. It makes you really, um, it makes you distrustful of the system. Like you just, how, how are we supposed to trust a system like that? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I think there's a lot of work, a lot of work to go, but we are really, we were, we were really, um, inspired by the actions that at the very least the state party and the Senate democratic campaign committee, um, um, are planning to move forward with. And then what I'll also say is I think in, in our meeting with the, the Senate Democratic Campaign Committee, I think they made a really good point. For them, they don't have so much of a list, but a lot of their folks come from the House, mm -hmm. right? So everything that's happening at the House level affects how it operates in the Senate mm -hmm. um, campaign and the consultants that they utilize. And so there was, so they saw it as an opportunity to see how they could do things differently. And, 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 and so, yeah, there's, there's, it was, it just inspired a lot of, um, of conversation about how things could be done differently. It's interesting. All right. Well, I had some other things I wanted to ask you about, but we're sort of running through our time. So I'm going to stop us here uh, and say, and ask you this, this once, I mean, do you, and I know you realize this because you're, you're very um, aware of your impact, I think, but you've changed things. I mean, by, it's not easy to, go in a professional arena and call out behavior and, and say, basically, you know, this just doesn't seem right. And it doesn't seem fair. I mean, you can have a lot of blowback from that. And, but the fact that you were brave enough to sort of take this issue on, you've changed things. I mean, you know, things are going to be better now because of your actions and that that's got to make you feel pretty good. I would think. It, it does. I think I think for all of us, we're just we're happy that at the very least, the next generation of consultants is not going to have to go through this. Right. One where the community isn't aware, but two, that there's at least some policy and we don't know what's ever going to happen right. in the house. Right. But at least right. I feel like now and like opportunities like this is for more folks to be aware of where they need to put pressure. Right. A lot of folks say, how can we help? Well, legislators in the house and see what they what they can be doing or look on that list and see which legis legislators have supported it and ask about the ones that haven't mm -hmm. right i think those are some opportunities to to really hold our folks accountable um so that they can't continue performing right because if they're performing when it comes to issues especially as it relates to civil rights right or social justice right what else are they performing on, right? If we're seeing a hole in one area, there's either gonna, there's there's bound to be another faulty area, right? And so I, I would say utilize that as an opportunity to not only just highlight what's wrong, but 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 advocate for for doing better, right? Um, and 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 make sure that our legislators um, recognize that the community is 
is watching this, right? This is not just us consultants saying it. The community is now holding them accountable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it does reveal a lot about whether they are truly seeing that, you know, these issues of inequality, you know, they permeate everything. And until you're ready to do some work, you know, some actual work at dealing with those issues, that continue. I mean, that's the, that's the truth. The truth is, is this isn't easy. It's going to take some work. And if we don't have leaders who are going to do the work, then we need different leaders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Okay. And we want to work with those different leaders. Then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. All right, Christina, thank you so much for talking with me. And I, I, I will probably touch base with you again as the summer goes on, because I think we may have some other issues that, uh, that your thoughts on would be really helpful. That sounds great. Okay. You, you know me, I, I love to have a really good discussion. Good. This is awesome. Excellent. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Crossing Division is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Gimme the Mic. This is Channel 253.